Hey, thanks for signing up for the Public Beta Podcast. It is Wednesday, December 2nd, 2020, the final month of 2020. It's all... What would the proper expression be? Uphill from here or downhill from here? It's all Either way, your host is from my, here. <laughs> yeah, it's all gonna just... We're gonna flatten the curve from here. Uh, your host this week, myself, Lee and Reed. Yeah. Hi. Yeah. Woo! Holy smokes, Reed. Get excited. We are one week away from something we have waited all year for. We keep hearing about it. I mean, it's been... It's, it's all anybody can talk about. And I'm, of course, talking about the Game Awards. Oh, <laughs> I thought you were gonna. Tr- I thought you were gonna swerve me even more elaborately and be like Watch Dogs Xbox One release or something. <laughs> That's right, backwards compatibility. Uh, we, so the Game Awards are on December tenth uh, next week, and uh, that is also the release date of Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven. Oh shit! So uh, allegedly, the game will be out that day. You will be able to play it on your video game consoles in your own homes. <laughs> or at the homes of others, though that might be illegal depending on where you are. Uh, we have kind of uh, unofficially determined that starting after the release of Cyberpunk 2077, we will feature that game in real time, not unlike we did for The Last of Us Part 2, but instead it'll be a weekly, at the end of the uh, the episode, discussion of Cyberpunk. It's going to be... Either it's going to be a combination of our special Last of Us episode and then our regular spotlight. Yes, yes. A hybrid, yeah. as it were. Uh, this one will, you know, it's you can take it in the morning, and it's not, you're not going to go fall asleep on the couch two hours later. It'll be a great podcast to listen to. Uh, so that's that's kind of exciting, that in, in a little over a week's time, fuck, we'll be it's, playing that game. It's even more wild that you and me are both going into it very relatively blind. Uh, like, I'll see, like, a comment every once in a while, and someone will mention a name, and I'll just go, who the fuck is that? Like... Uh, I'm excited to go into the game not knowing anything and not having any sort of expectations and just letting the game speak for itself. Uh, absolutely, yeah. Like, uh, we can't even really talk about, like, how hyped we are in terms of what kind of character do you plan to build? I don't, I don't know. know what the fuck is available to me. <laughs> yeah, like, what um, skills are in this game? Like, am I just shooting? I'm assuming there's going to be some sneaking and hacking mechanics. Like uh... Now, the last game the last game I did this with, and I don't know that you did, uh, but was The Outer Worlds. Yeah. Uh, it was I... a game that I'm like, oh, uh, Obsidian is making a Fallout in space. Like, uh, okay, I'll play that. Uh, and it ended up being, like, it wasn't anything it said it wasn't going to be. It was a shorter, more bite-sized Obsidian RPG experience. Uh, like, really felt like a B game, like a side project. You can have some fun with this on a weekend, uh, get it up and out of the way, and, and experience some great writing. Uh, whereas Cyberpunk seems to be, like, the other benefit of me and you talking about this game is because of how emergent the game is in terms of quests and what direction people play these kinds of games in. The first time I play a game like this, uh, it, it's it's the most immersive. You don't know what lies behind any door. You don't know what this how this quest ends. When you go back to play Fallout Fall New Vegas, you have basically in your head... Uh, your own headcanon of what this character you've created is going to do. When you yeah. enter one of those games for the first time, not knowing uh, what what's going to happen, you know, you organically turn. build your character through the gameplay because you have yes. no preconceived notions of what kind of character you want to play. Like That's when I play New Vegas, very concisely put. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if I if I'm going to play New Vegas, and if I'm like, you know what, this guy's going to be a serial killer who joins Caesar's Legion and takes out all of the supporting parties instead of getting them to join them. Like, you already know what's going to happen and what you're going to do. And yes. uh, with this, it's a little bit more exciting. Uh, you can, And these make the best characters, too, because people in real life aren't black and white. So it's, it's always nice to make these characters that are making decisions based on what you feel is right at the time. I always like a game that can uh, provide a good pivot in gameplay where... Uh, for example, uh, Oblivion, the first time I played it. The first time you make a character in Oblivion, like, first, that was my first Elder Scrolls game, to be honest. So, uh, I'm creating, like, a knight. I'm creating a sword and board. I'm creating, like, a... Uh, oh, we're gonna hack and slash it up. As I start to play the game, I realize I am much more suited towards a stealth character. I'm much more suited towards, like, acrobatics and bow skills and stuff like that. And a great game will allow you to pivot mid-go 
and start building your character in that other direction as as your headcanon uh, dictates or your or your game style, right? Yeah. Um, so that's what I'm kind of hoping of here, uh, and that's always fun the first time before you're like intentionally min-maxing things, where you're just like, oh, I know if I go over here, I get this early in the game, it'll make it this much easier. That's why I look forward to this as a spotlight game. I look forward to me and you completely diverging in paths like b both of us maybe ignore the main quest for the first few weeks or something like that yeah maybe one of us finds it so compelling that they follow it and the other one gets to do all the side i i don't know and uh that's uh exciting to me right like i'm the kind of guy that if i see some cool piece of armor and it's like oh you got to get x amount of these or spend this amount of time doing it i'm gonna fucking do that probably before i do anything else uh, and yeah. you strike me as the kind of guy that's going to probably dive into some nice side quests first and explore. So uh, it'll be interesting. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a checklist-oriented person, and I will always mop up the lesser quests before moving on with the main quest where available. And I know with CD Projekt Red, uh, that can sometimes mean you're doing 300 hours of side quests <laughs> before you, you do anything else. Yeah, so. like I think I got 200 uh, hours in my Witcher 3 file, and I've done like a third of the side quests, and every single side quest is fun <laughs> and memorable and good. Yes. Uh, like it's it's never just like go stop these bandits you go there and there's three bandits you kill them and it's done it's never like that which like it doesn't like that doesn't seem like a big deal when i'm saying out loud but it's a big fucking deal in video games like it's a big deal yeah man uh looking forward to it uh and that kind of like cyberpunk kind of sounds the horn of the end of the new releases uh, through the end of the year here. There's a Dying Light Enhanced Edition. There's a uh, that Dragon Quest. Figure this one out. Dragon Quest Eleven okay. came out on PS4. Yeah. Critically acclaimed. Everybody loved it. They ported it to the Switch as a definitive edition that had a lot of changes to the game. Yeah. Uh, as like like you know quality of life stuff and stuff like that. And then they ported it back to the PS4 and the Xbox One, but they didn't port the original version with the enhancements. They ported the Switch version back to PS4 so, and Xbox, so and that's coming out. It's on Game Pass, so I don't have to so pay for it. So does it look shittier? Play, it, lo it looks noticeably shittier. It's oh, fucking ridiculous. Oh, that's fucking weird, dude. Uh, like, the, the frame rate is is great, obviously, but the, the visuals, I've seen some side-by-side -side comparisons, and I'm like, what a strange way to skip skip out on doing some work yeah. to present a worse product than your your original i own it on switch i haven't got super duper far it's i'm like 20 hours in and they like the story still hasn't really gone anywhere um and this might be very typical for dragon quest games and maybe this is what people love about the games is that they're a very uh calm and simple and old school rpg i require a little bit more urgency at that point in the game personally um but maybe I'll go back to it one day. Like, the game plays fucking great. Like, it, like, and it looks phenomenal. Like, the art style and stuff like that, I've always, yeah, it's always appealed to me. I've never touched a Dragon Quest game. Yeah, it's the same artist that does, like, Dragon Ball Z and Chrono Trigger and all that stuff. Like, you can't, you can't yeah. go wrong. Interesting. Uh, yeah, but other than that, it's, it's re-releases, it's uh, some digital stuff, it's content packs for games as services, but that's kind of it for, uh, for 2020. And, uh, you know, the race for Game of the Year is on. <laughs> so, um, what's where, where are you uh you know you don't have to say anything definitive right now but what has been your game of the year so far game of the year oh i feel like we talked about this outside of this podcast before and i'm like what the fuck even came out this year that i can't even think ghost of, of tsushima the last of us part two final fantasy 7 remake animal crossing yeah, like none of those like i consider all of those like pretty good games but i would never be like any of these are fucking game of the year uh well it's it's your own your own take it doesn't have to be you're not you're not putting this out to the world as it's like this is no this is not yeah, just I can't my personal include take demon souls is, or what <laughs> i mean absolutely then, demon souls can be your game of the year then i absolutely will fucking say demon souls demon souls fucking awesome Wow, yeah. uh, you know I've got a I've got a tight race going over here. Uh, that Hades was was pretty much the total package. Uh, it's a game that make you makes you feel good, uh, makes you feel like you're good at video games. Uh, you know, Animal Crossing is con contribution to 2020 cannot be overlooked. Ghost of Tsushima is is not a game that I think deserves the accolade of Game of the Year. No. Uh, without an asterisk next to it, but for me, uh, <laughs> you know, I platinum that game, and it was it was everything I expected it to be. And more, uh, that's just my, me managing my expectations. Yeah, it's, it's uh, no so. 2018 when we had, like, Nier Tomata, God of War, Spider-Man, Persona 5, like, these fucking amazing games. This year was well, a little bit different. 
it's a bit of a different conversation because you would have expected heading into this year Final Fantasy VII Remake and Last of Us Part Two to be... Amazing. To be... To be duking it out on the front lawn for game of the year. But here we are being like, man, have we been more disappointed in two AAA games this year? And the answer is no. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, it's fucking nuts. So let's talk about what we've been playing. Reed, I pulled the trigger and uh, I, I pulled my devil trigger. Fuck I got, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I got Fuser. I got this Fuser game. Oh, well, you yeah. know, normally you would have said I got Devil May Cry 5 after saying I pulled my devil trigger, but it's okay. Sorry. Uh, that's... <laughs> Soon. So I got Fuser. It is a game by Harmonix. You might know Harmonix as the rock band people. Um, this is their DJ mixing game. Reed, are you familiar with the artist Girl Talk? No. Uh, Girl Talk is a mashup artist. Uh, most of Girl Talk's, uh, I, what I feel, are most successful jams come from pairing sound samples from pop music, rock music... Uh, of all eras with rap lyrics and rap drum beats. Uh, and, and you get these wild mashups. And that's what this game is. But it gives you so much fucking more. Uh, it gives you full lists of drum machines you can use. Electric, electronic instruments. You get a bunch of uh, tracks in the game. The, okay, so this is straight up. This is a rich man's game. Uh, Fuser is $79.99. It is only available digitally. I believe you can get it on PC, PS4, and Xbox. I don't know if this game is on Switch or not. Um, so you download this game. Like Rock Band, you get your, your onboarded tracks there, some of which you have to unlock through gameplay. And trust me, you don't want everything unlocked from Go because you want to kind of ease yourself into how many options are in this fucking game. Uh, but it, it's kind of like a big, you know, music festival. Everybody's on E, dancing, uh, you know, making love in the mud, kind of music festival, electronic music thing. And uh, you create your DJ. And you go through these different stages and and learn how to uh, to mix and it auto samples uh, all the tracks for you, so you don't actually have to uh, manually worry about beat matching and pitch correcting, which are the two what you would call you know the big the biggest skills required to be a live mixing DJ. Um, this game will make you think, hey, wh why aren't I just a DJ? This is fucking easy. No, those two things that this game does for you automatically are the biggest things that will be your hurdle to actually doing this in real life. Uh, trust me. <laughs> so, uh, I loved DJ Hero, which was the Red Octane, like, Guitar Hero guys' um, the Activision version of a DJ game. And in that game, they just gave you a mix like this, and you basically cross-fed and did a rhythm game over top of this. In this game, you are not only playing a rhythm game, you are looking for perfect... Uh, like times to drop your mixes, you're looking for upbeats, you're looking to mute tracks, you're looking to swap tracks out, you're looking to cue tracks up, you're looking to fade tracks out, you're looking to eject discs off your, whatchamacallit, you're switching between songs, it's uh, insane. Uh, like the amount of stuff they give you, the way this game ramps up uh, and asks you to do things. If you like playing Bop It as a kid, uh, this is the musical version of that. It's a lot of fun. There's a freestyle mode where you can just fuck around and make beats. This would be a great game to pass around at a house party whenever those are legal again. Uh, and just like have some fun with some buddies and make some goofy sounding shit. I mean, the, the, the game is very self-aware. We've got uh, Rick Astley never going to give you up. We've got Smash Mouth's uh, All-Star on there. Um, we, we've got it all, Reed. It's all here. There's there's your, your mix of hip-hop beats, your rock songs, etc., uh, I, I've been kind of on Twitter posting some of the weird fucking stuff I've made. You can take snapshots of mixes. If something's sounding particularly good, you can take like a quick snapshot of it and actually place that on your kit. So if you ever have like a house party or something like that and you're like, listen to this dumb shit I made, uh, you can easily drop it onto the, uh, the mixing board and stuff like that. I think this game is phenomenal. I don't think this game is for everyone. Uh, I've heard a lot of people say that there is a difficulty with this game. If you do have pre-knowledge of how mixing like this works how downbeats work how the songs sound to think okay at this point in the song at this point in the mix if i drop the lyrics to regulate on the track right now it's going to be the whistling part and that's going to be perfect knowing that stuff is something the game is not going to provide you uh and it's it's kind of limited by your own creativity but there is a campaign mode where it's asking for specific things it's trying to teach you specific things and i've had varied success uh, i've never gotten like less than a three star fucking humble brag over here um, and I five-starred a lot of things on, on my first try. I'm about halfway through the campaign now. And I'm having a blast with this fucking game. But like I said, the DLC, man. So they have, like, dozens of songs that you can buy for, like, $2.50. It's like, hey, if you want Cranberries Linger, 
the two fifty baby right here. Put it in my hand, uh, kind of stuff. And that's like there's music packs in this game. It's like hey, buy this music pack. It's seventy dollars. Uh, when you tack that on to the seventy nine ninety nine, they're already charging for the base game. It's it's pricey, but you do get a lot in that base game. If this game looks interesting to you, if you have any interest in in this kind of music. Uh, I'm going to cut myself off there and say Fuser is excellent and you should check it out. I'm going to cut myself. <laughs> I'm going to cut myself now into pieces. I wonder if that song's in there. It's, it's fucking got to be. Uh, that, that game's so good, man. Fuser's fucking great. Um, if you like rhythm games, if you like Harmonix take where they're trying to make a music game feel more like performing, be it playing an instrument or, or mixing, uh, this is for you. What you uh, what you been up to? Uh, I beat Demon Souls again. Because I'm like, wow, fuck Miles Morales. It's just Morales. so easy. <laughs> I'm like, fuck Miles Morales, Spider Man. I'm just going to play Demon Souls again. Uh, so, yeah, this playthrough, my first one was about 20 ish hours, maybe a little bit over. This one was about six, maybe eight. Um, what made this build so particularly fun on my first character, which is just a regular quality build, so even strength uh, and dex, bunch of endurance and vitality. Second character, I decide, hey, I don't, I never do magic characters, but I'm not going to do, like, a magic ranged character. I'm going to do a melee magic character. Oh, like a spell sword. Yes, a spell sword. Like, I use my spells purely to buff myself for melee combat, but don't actually use it for actual ranged combat. Too much information. So, uh, very simple for this. Uh, I was using a moon sword, which scales off magic, and you think, oh, that's great. But it's only reaching about the same damage as I was with my quality build, which is about max. Once you're, like, level 60, 70, max strength weapon, like, you know, 250 to 300. So with this new character I built, pumped up my magic to 30, beat the penetrator demon, got the penetrator soul, turned that into light weapon, which is the biggest magic weapon upgrade you can get. Get a knight sword, just put it to a regular base plus 10, and because it's not a moon fucking sword and none of that bullshit, I can actually enchant it with this magic. I'm reaching uh-huh. 451 fucking damage with a sword, okay? I'm three-shotting okay. bosses. I'm go- I'm invading kids, and I'm hitting them twice with a sword, and they die. <laughs> it's fucking ridiculous what I'm doing with this build. It's hilarious. I, I go. Did you roll a, a royal for the MP regen? Or a... Well, you get the fragrant ring from many sources, but I did roll at the beginning just to have it at the beginning. But it's not entirely necessary. I don't use it anymore. Once you have access to spice, you can just fucking regen it like a normal person. And since all I'm doing right now anyway is just invading and shit, it doesn't even matter. I go in there, I use my insanity catalyst, which you get from the old monk, to boost it even higher... I'm, yeah, I'm getting like 450 damage off a fucking single swing, which is ridiculous. I can two-shot at other humans. I can one-shot most basic enemies. And bosses, I'm just like, I beat the leechmonger in like two seconds. I went in there, boom, 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 let my health re-back. Let my standard re-back. Go in there, boom, 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 dead. Uh, that's the uh, that's the from software. That's like the roots, man. Like those old PC games where the only way to be successful is to find a way to break them. Yeah, well, that's what I love about RPGs is finding my own personal way of absolutely like just yeah. circumventing the difficulty. <laughs> if you're looking for some Final Fantasy 12 tips, there's a YouTube video from 12 years ago where you can point you to. Especially if you talk to me now about FF12, I could get you to level 99 before the first fucking story mission in that game, and it wouldn't even be that hard. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, I love Demon Souls. Like everything I said last week is repeated. Absolutely great game. I might play a third playthrough. Fuck it, it's great time, and uh, I enjoy playing the hell out of it. Just wish it was longer, and wish it was Dark Souls instead. But you know, do what I can. Hey, what you gonna do? Yeah. yeah. Uh, besides that, <laughs> have you tried? Uh- What's that? You you downloaded Bloodborne, right? Yeah, I tried it on the PS5. Like it's like the okay, so definitely like loads faster and everything like that. But it's still like the PS4 game, right? So it's running at 30 sure. frames per second. Uh, Locked. Yeah. Yeah, and if you're like if I was still playing PS4 and Dark Souls 3 and Bloodborne stuff, I'm sure it would not be a problem whatsoever. I love Bloodborne. Uh, but so what's, I'm so yeah, used to the 60 frames of Demon Souls now that when I did plug in Bloodborne, I'm like, holy fuck, this game's like unplayable. There's no, there's nothing in the options to like swap it to performance mode or, or in Bloodborne. Or some, yeah, fuck no. 
It's just like there was no P- it, PS4 Pro options. No, for it's, it or anything it's like just that. the PS. Well, it was released in 2015, way before the Pro was out. Uh, yeah. No, it, but they could they could do like an update or something. No, not that I'm aware of. It's just straight up Bloodborne, homie. So in February, uh, they're doing Sony's releasing a Neo One and Two. Uh, package collection on the PS5 that will run at 120 frames per second. Okay, wait, what? Say that again? Uh, Neo? The, the game Neo? <laughs> Neo? Neo. The, like, Samurai Dark Souls game? Oh, N-I-O-H. <laughs> Neo. Yeah. Oh, okay. Neo. Oh, yeah. Neo. Ne- yeah, so uh, that actually bleeds into the next thing I'm playing. I picked up Del May Cry 5 Special Edition. Uh, I believe sure. we talked about it last week or even the week before about Devil May Cry 5. Um, but yeah, I really wanted to play as Virgil. No. I've been wanting to replay that game, so I decided what the hey. Uh, that game, interestingly, does straight up have an option at the beginning that's like, here is regular mode, here is graphics mode, and here is performance mode. Uh, right. And if you go to performance mode, it does support 120 uh, hertz, whatever you want to pronounce it. Yeah, um, you got a TV that can handle that? Because I certainly don't. I think I might, but I need an HDMI two cable. Um, oh shit! As per like, as per you, uh, that's what you the said. New, I I believe that is the case. Yeah, you're the one with the PS five. You tell me. <laughs> yeah, I think I need an HDMI two cable. I don't think the basic HDMI cable has the capability to run that. In any case, it still runs at sixty frames, so I don't really care. Uh, game looks great. It's literally just Del May Cry 5, except now there's an extra option to play as Virgil. You just play through the story with no cutscenes as Virgil. Um, from my understanding, this is pretty atypical of Del May Cry games. These these have always been the special editions when he plays Virgil. You kind of just play as yeah. him, and there's no extra fanfare for it. Uh, there's an extra cutscene at the beginning, kind of. But, uh, as far as Virgil plays, he's incredibly fun and edgy. Um... You know, he's the samurai guy, so he does all those moves where he, like, dashes in front and puts his sword back, and he's, like, oh, weak or whatever, fuck, and, like, everybody explodes at the same time. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, he has this one yeah. move called Judgment Cut, where you fill in your Sin Devil trigger phase. Uh, you press forward and R1 and triangle and circle at the same time, and then basically Virgil, like, does that anime thing where he blinks in and out of multiple places while cutting the reality timeline or whatever the fuck, so everything appears like cut glass, then shatters into himself as he's sheathing his sword and says some edgy line. And meanwhile, the fucking lamest song ever is playing in the background. I love it. It's like the best. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, besides that, Virgil also plays generally a lot more fun than I would say Nero or V, but not as much as Dante. Uh, Virgil has three weapons. Uh, the Yamato, the um, Beowulf fists, which are much like uh, the punching gauntlets that Dante owns, and then a soul sword that operates a lot like Nero. So he kind of he kind of works like Dante, kind of works like Nero, and then has his own kind of flair to things. Uh, re- yeah, like I said, really fun character. Haven't really got far in it at all. Um, but yeah, he's pretty pretty fucking neat. Do you, does your save move over? Uh, I did download my PS4 save, and when I opened up Special Edition, it said um, no save data detected. I'm pretty sure they separated as, like, Special Edition is now just, like, this PS5 version. Hmm. It's not really a big hmm. deal for Del May Cry 5. Like, the save data thing worked for, um... Oh, excuse me. Uh, what, but why not? Again, it's it's like publisher based, right? So it's it works for some and not for others, and you could see where the general consumer would be upset by that, being like, "Why does it come from this, but not? Yeah, why does my Spider-Man save I, work now?" But like, it works for yeah. like Spider-Man and games like that just fine. I don't think it's entirely necessary for Devil May Cry Five personally. I like it's a short game, and it's not like. Uh, it's not like an RPG where like you work towards and build up a lot of things. Like just play, play the fucking game homie, I guess. I don't know. Uh, (laughs) I guess if you don't care, people don't care. (laughs) I'm sure some people care. Just like I, I didn't see the issue. I wasn't, I didn't buy special edition to continue my PS4 saves, even though I've beaten all my PS4 saves. So fuck it. Right on. Yeah. Uh, did you, uh, anything else? Uh, not really. Just Devil May Cry Five, Demon Souls, waiting for Cyberpunk, baby. That's about it. Oh yeah. So I uh, last night 
downstairs, we have a tub, a nice bathtub. Wife's like, going for a bath. Why don't you hang out downstairs and play video games or something? Because there's monsters. Uh, so I'm, I'm down there and I'm playing uh, Persona 3 Dancing in Moonlight. I bought the, the collection on PS4. Uh, I don't know what made me play this game. I bought the collection on PS4 and it was just sitting on my TV stand downstairs. I'm like, what is this doing here? And it had uh, a download version of the fourth game, uh, which was originally on Vita. And then it had the third and the fifth. The fifth one I've played to death. I've beaten the shit out of it. Back to front. Very familiar with Persona 5. Uh, Persona, Persona 5 3, dancing. however. I'm very familiar with Persona 5. Dancing. Uh, and then 4 I beat on the Vita as well. So I just I haven't played that one. But 3, I was like, you know what? Let's just uh, bite into this game. And another humble brag for me regarding uh, rhythm games. I'm very good at the Persona dancing games. Uh, so, we, uh, so I fired this thing up. And I realized that I, even though I remember playing quite a bit of Persona 3... I don't know half of the characters that show up in this dancing game. I am uh, unfamiliar with most of the music. And I'm like, it was a long time ago. And I, I admittedly probably only got 8 to 12 hours into that thing. Are you like in a halfway house for kids that are also like, <laughs> that also fight evil? What, Reed, what happens in Persona 3? Uh, so Persona 3 is um, easily the most Shin Megami Tensei-y of all the modern Personas being 3, 4, and 5. Four and five are much more uh, akin to a stereotypical mystery anime that you would watch. Whereas three has a lot of those weird Shin Megami Tensei concepts where just like demons just exist and you fucking deal with it. And like, like who cares yeah. where personas came from? Fuck you. <laughs> it's more Buffy the Vampire Slayer, right? There's like a group. Yeah. Like, yes. Group of, yeah, it's, okay. yeah. It's much more like that. Like. It's much more about, like, this the supernatural phenomenon rather than, like, let's have a slow burn and unravel the mystery and, like, we'll explain everything along the way. Like, Persona's just like, fuck it, we're weird, we'll, we'll embrace it. Um, I'm trying to remember, like, so the protagonist, uh, at first, he's just living, is it like, so, he's living with them and they don't want to let yeah, them just, know like, that he they're... he just lives at a dorm, a dormitory. <laughs> uh, the dormitory is for, like, one of those classic anime like awesome schools you go into a train and like the school has a bunch of cherry blossoms and it's like we're futuristic and stuff uh, garden. the kid is just randomly your protagonist is randomly placed in that dormitory just because like you could argue fate whatever the fuck <laughs> um, this is some like but little new star wars movie yeah shit little <laughs> little does he know that everybody there has the ability to summon personas they're all part of the it's called like seed, I think. That's 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 Balam Garden. That's Final Fantasy. No, yeah, it's not seed, <laughs> but whatever. Like they tell the school that they're an extracurricular activity group after school, but really they just hunt shadows who exist in the dark hour, and they're investigating what the dark hour is and what exactly it does. Eventually, by the right. end of the game, you learn basically everything: where personas came from, what the dark hour is, who's behind it, what the purpose is. Um, but yeah, you're just living in a dormitory. It just so happens that everybody that was living there before you also belong to this persona hunting group is all. I see. Yeah. Would you recommend people play persona three? Oh, absolutely. Uh, I would definitely recommend picking up the persona three portable one. There's a couple, I, I, if you can, there's a couple <laughs> caveats to it. Yeah. Um, if you pick up persona three FPS for, for PlayStation two, still a fantastic video game and I've played it. Yeah. And easiest to find. Yeah, that version. easiest to find. I've played it. Like I didn't have too much troubles with it, except for the fact that the game is very antiquated by today's standard. Especially, especially if we're used to Persona Four Golden or Persona Five. Um, yeah. If you played Persona Four OG on PS2, this one will feel a little, like a lot more like that. But even worse, you can't change teammates' equipment at any point. You can only do it before you go into the main dungeon of the game, which is incredibly frustrating, let me tell you, if you need to do shopping and you literally can't see what the fuck your teammates are wearing or what you're buying for them will equip to them or what if you're buying is going to be better for them. It's like Final Fantasy fucking 6 and 7 and 5 and shit had this. It's ridiculous. Um... If they're going for a realism thing there, I still hate it. Like, no, <laughs> like, I, it, it's fucking ridiculous that you, like, it's such a basic RPG function and it's about fun over 
uh, immersion. It's like Red Dead 2. Persona 3 is the Red Dead 2 of Personas. Wow. <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, you can't, you can't do that. Um, all the, the, the love system, this is like a... Tell me about the love system. So in Persona 3 Portable is the only actual Persona game where you can play as Mon and Persona. Persona 2, you can play as a girl. But you can play as a girl in Persona 3 Portable, and therefore you can seduce boys and just befriend, befriend, befriend girls. <laughs> yeah. Um, Persona 3 is weird in the fact that it basically wants you to romance girls and hang out with guys, whereas Persona 4 and 5, if you want to, you can just be friends with a lot of girls. Um, Persona 3 also does a really weird thing with romance, which may be better or worse, depending on your opinion. If I'm, like, level 7 with one girl... And we make it clear that we're starting a relationship because Persona 3 likes to force you into a relationship. And if you start hanging out with another girl to boost up her social link because, shit, there's only so much time, it's going to reverse your level 7 one because the girl's going to be pissed. Uh, I see. They wisely changed this in Persona 4 and 5, in my opinion. Where you can just be the ultimate gigolo. <laughs> you can be the ultimate gigolo, but it doesn't, it doesn't punish you anymore for trying to play the game optimally and use your time wisely. It's incredibly frustrating that I have to max out a girl's social link in Persona 3 before I can move on to the next one because it's more it's it's more optimal to do it that way. Uh, it just doesn't also make a lot of sense for a narrative point because you don't actually commit to a relationship to level 10 with anything, so why should she care that you're talking to another girl? But I guess that is high school and stuff. Yeah, um, it sounds like I uh, opened up some old wounds here. <laughs> Persona 3 FES, you also cannot control your teammates in battle, which I don't need to explain in any way why that is incredibly annoying. I didn't know any of this. I just played the PSP yeah, one. Where wisely, you don't even have, yeah, wisely yeah. changed Persona 3 Portable where you can actually control your teammates and heal yourself when you fucking need to or actually lay on weaknesses when you need to. It is an absolute chore to get through the dungeons in Persona 3 because half the time your teammates are just not playing the way that you wish they would. They're going for dumb mistakes. Like, enemy has 10 health left, there's one enemy, and they're going for, like, confuse rather than attacking, right? Right. Incredible. And this was so beloved, they put it in Final Fantasy XIII. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then, of course, I would say the main complaint of Persona 3, from my point of view, is Tartarus. The main dungeon of the game, that's where 95% of your battles are going to happen. It's just repeating rooms, all look the same. Endless enemies, nothing interesting here. It just changes every time you go in. They're pre-generated. Uh, incredibly boring. Uh, Persona 4 wasn't... It was a step up, but it still wasn't much better. They were still generic uh, dungeons, and I don't think they really got it until Persona 5 when they made dynamic dungeons that had uh, different rooms. You could interact with the environment in different ways and stuff like that. Yeah. Persona 3 is More a like great a traditional game. RPG yeah. dungeon. Yeah. Persona 3 is a great game if you love Persona and old school RPGs, but I would not recommend it if uh, if you love the convenience and if you love the convenience and the quickness of a Persona 4 Golden or Persona 5. Well, there it is. Well, those uh, Persona really games made It's also really weird. Persona 3 is really fucking weird. So I mean, that's the one where they're shooting themselves in the head with a gun. Yeah, it's great stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, a lot of the dance moves, the the flourishes of the dance moves in that game involve, like, f finger guns to the head, like Borderlands style. Nice. <laughs> like, <laughs> check this shit out. Uh, it's, a, it's a goofy game. The, the dancing games are great. The Persona 4 one actually includes a canonical story that takes place after Persona 4. Uh, and then these, the Persona 5 and the Persona 3 games do not. Uh, there's basically just, like, a, uh, it's, we're in a dungeon and you have to dance instead of battle uh, is kind of what's <laughs> up. Uh, and then there's uh, social areas you can go to and see the characters interacting, but it's not a progressive story in the way Persona 4 had. So it makes those games actually less of a total package, I guess. But the if you like the Persona music, which, let's be honest, that's why these games exist, uh, <laughs> I recommend them. They're good. They're fun. Yeah. Uh, it, not unlike Project Diva, uh, it's a similar kind of rhythm game style to that, except in this one you have notes coming from the center of the screen to the periphery. Uh, and you're just hitting them as they hit and scratching and, and, and doing that kind of stuff. And it's it's good good times. Uh, I there's a So you don't play many rhythm games, do you? No, I, I used to play a lot of Rock Band as a kid, but I have no interest in it anymore. The problem with being good at a rhythm game... Th like, this is the biggest humble, humble brag of all time. 
is if I'm playing the game on hard mode and I'm able to hit all of the notes. I'm playing a, a song that's 3 minutes and, and 50 seconds long, let's say. And I've got a 256 note combo going. And I miss one note. I'll be like, well, it's a, it was a pretty good combo to that point. This high score is probably... Like, if you hit all the notes, you get King Crazy rank, which is the highest you can get. You've, you've, you maxed combo. You didn't miss a fucking note. Good for you, lad. Uh, so... I'll play through the, these songs on hard mode, and I've already played through them once. I've already missed one note, so to speak. And I'll get two minutes into the song and miss one note, and then complete the song, and then sure enough, that was the only note I've missed. And then it becomes the, if I miss a note, do I just restart? Am I at that level oh, yeah, yeah, of, yeah. of play? Where, like, if, if I, okay, I'm, I'm a minute and 30 in, I'll, I'll do the math in my head. I'm like, oh, I'm only 20 seconds in, and I flubbed this note. I'm going to restart. Or something like that. Uh, it's it's a weird rhythm game thing. Because I, I almost prefer to be not so great. Or, or be getting good at the rhythm game as I play it. With these Persona games. Because there's been so many. And they haven't changed the mechanics. They're all the fucking same game. Uh, I just immediately start on, on hard. Clear that. And get the all night difficulty. Uh, and, get, and go from there. So. I don't know. The, rhythm game problems. I guess. Rhythm game File problems. that under. Reed, let's talk a little bit about the news. Sure. Yeah. Did I tell you I beat Pokemon? Yeah, we talked about it last week, I think. Okay. I don't know if we talked about it on the show or not. Yeah, that, that all wrapped up. Good for me. <laughs> we have to talk about Pokemon again after the news here. We had a, a listener uh, write in and say, we may have not rendered an isolated opinion on Pokemon Sun and Holy Moon. Holy shit. We, we kept, <laughs> yeah. Uh, we kept referencing them some... at, throughout <laughs> the, the show, but never like actually just said, like here's where they rank for us kind of thing. Well, or we did. Dude, it was 11 parts. Who could say? Yeah, well, viewer, you are in luck because we are going to cover it to finish this Pokemon <laughs> bullshit. Again, I'll put it to bed. Uh, so a Nintendo hacker has been sentenced to three years in prison for the hack. Uh, but also due to possession of child pornography. So oh, that, that's the that's a typical uh, Nintendo hacker right there. Holy shit! Uh, this was the uh, California man who hacked into Nintendo's internal network and leaked information about the Nintendo Switch before its launch. This is a pretty serious one. Uh, three years in jail. So Nintendo, you know, that's a shot across the bow, right? That's just like don't fuck. Wait, that's don't just for Nintendo stuff, right? Not the fucking CP stuff. I hope. <laughs> uh, what do you mean? Like I mean, I, he's, I think I, he's in jail for both. No, like, <laughs> like, I hope you'll be put into jail for much longer than three years. Truly, you're, you're correct. Uh, like, what what got him the three years? Like, the Nintendo stuff worth six months, and the other stuff's worth a year and a half? I understand what you're getting at now. Um, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. I guess he just possessed it. I guess that's not... You were holding it for a friend, or something like that. <laughs> that's like... Shit. You're not distributing it. You're not creating it. You're not Jared from Subway. So that's a lesser sense. I don't know, man. That's fucking awful in any way you slice it. Uh, Xbox Game Pass will be adding Doom Eternal, Control, and 15 other games. Uh, I'm throwing up the X right now with my hands for the Xbox. Oh. Here I am. I'm here for it, Xbox. Give me these games. Um, I'm curious to see how Control runs on an Xbox uh, One X as compared to the PS4 Pro, to be completely honest with you. So I'll probably download that. Um, but yeah, man, Game Pass. All right, you gonna play some uh, some of that Doom Eternal DLC or what? Oh, I haven't even thought about it till right now. I guess actually, but I fuck, I love Doom Eternal, so I'd probably play it at some point. They're putting that game on. Uh, they're putting that game on Switch on December eighth. Sure, that's. I don't know how uh, that's gonna work out. I don't know if you saw the Wolf. Like they did Wolfenstein two on Switch, man. It looked like a fucking N sixty four game. It's fucking wild. Like it's almost worth playing. Like yeah, I, based on how fucked up it looks. Yeah, I'm not a hundred percent about them putting Doom Eternal on the Switch. Like, is it sixty frames? Like, uh, uh, your guess is as good as mine. And then not <laughs> it's digital only. They're not putting out a physical card for this thing. Oh wow! And then like yeah, not even that. Just the like, game like man makes my PS4 Pro want to shit itself. I don't know how the Switch is gonna handle that. Like everything I've heard about, like the everything I heard about, like Witcher Three on Switch, for example, everybody's just like, "Don't fucking just play it on PS4 like a normal person, or play it on PC yeah. like a normal person, like an extra normal, like a like a, a master race person." <laughs> uh, Doom Guy will be coming to Fall Guys. Do you know? Are people still playing Fall Guys? I don't know. I thought we, I, I think we're back to Fortnite and Minecraft full time for Christmas, right? That's uh, as far as we're concerned, fuck yeah. <laughs> yeah, holy smokes! Yeah, Just Dance. How about that? Just Dance. Uh, that's kind of it for the news, man. We're we're all sitting here and wait for Cyberpunk. 
I've got some pop culture to talk about if you're interested. Oh, what is that? <laughs> the uh, Lord of the Rings cast is trying to save the Tolkien house. I don't know if you saw this huh? going on. The Tolkien uh, On Tuesday, Lord of the Rings, Ian McKellen and uh, John Rice davis The Hobbits, Martin Freeman, and singer uh, Annie Lennox, who performed the Oscar-winning Into the West for Return of the King, stepped out with author Julia Golding uh, to announce a crowdfunding campaign intended to save 20 Northmore Road, the Oxford house in which J.R.R. Tolkien wrote his legendary fantasy novels. Aww. Like, I guess they would make it into, like, a historic site or yeah. something. Is Lord of the Rings... Does this... Ma- I mean, no one's a bigger Lord of the Rings fan than you, Reed. Do they need to save the house well, I, forever? Like, I, <laughs> I think if it's, a, like, like if you can and they want to, why not? It's not hurting anybody. Fuck it. Like, Who, uh, it's not going to be like fucking Happy Gilmore where Ian McKellen pulls up yeah. and Schumer Gavin's there like, hey, hey, I got the token house. It looks like, <laughs> did you see Skyfall? I did not see Skyfall. Okay, there, there's a house at the end of Skyfall that's like the Bond estate or some shit. It looks like this, uh, kind of, except that that one's in Scotland. Um, who died recently? There, someone who like held the estate Christopher of Tolkien Lord of the Rings died st- last year. Yeah, so apparently whomever they've uh, passed the rights on to well, is just like, Lee, time to sell the house. Yeah, because like whoever the rights passed on to immediately sold them to Amazon for that series. Like They're like, oh, fuck, right. yeah, time to cash it in, baby. <laughs> <laughs> uh speaking of cash-ins have you uh are you current on the mandalorian yes i am we talked about this yesterday i think yeah i have not uh, still watched the end of that episode that most recent one sure so they got jedis in there reed they got jedis in there they showed their first lightsaber they sh- they're showing they got a laser well not the first lightsaber because there was like some kind of the dark, dark saber, saber that was that even fucking yeah whatever <laughs> um I used to have one of those in my room when I was a teenager. Just like have the, the dark saber on the wall. It technically was owned by a Mandalorian Jedi. So, um, yeah, I was interested really about your thoughts on the episode since you've never seen Clone Wars and you don't give a fuck about Jedi or Sith. Um, I no, I figure we have to. So here's here's my thoughts on it. Obviously, I I don't want laser swords or Jedi anywhere near this. But also one of the main thrusts of the arcing plot in the mandalorian is he's raising this little fucking goku and this is to out. go even further beyond <laughs> he's gotta figure out he's gotta figure out you know what 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 the jedi and what the force and and apparently no one's written a fucking book on the jedi it's been it's been eight minutes okay. since the fall of the okay, Jedi no, Order. I'm, gonna, people are like, I'm going to what? try to explain they? this because someone interestingly posted a topic like this last week on like the Star Wars Reddit, I think. And they're like, serious question. Why the fuck hasn't anybody after episode three heard of Jedis? And the greatest explanation I saw was this. Uh, the Jedi at their peak were maybe 10,000 strong during episode three, right? You know how many people sure. live on Coruscant, Lee? How many? About 11 trillion. Dude, if I lived now, on a planet now, of 11 trillion and there were 10,000 wizards that could choke me to death with their minds, I would fucking right. I would read a book about them. I would Wikipedia that shit. Right. But like we're not even talking about just cores on here. And then the fact that there's millions and millions and millions of planets. So like of course Mandalor this fucking Mandalorian dude like or like sheriff guy living on Navarro in the edge of fucking butt fuck nowhere. Of course, he's never, like, he's heard of Jedi, but they're only myths and legends because they're just like, oh, yeah, there's these space monks, they have laser swords, and they can control your mind and move shit. Like, anybody in the Star Wars universe who hasn't directly seen one would probably be like, oh, that's a bit far-fetched. Maybe they exist, maybe they don't. It's it's a weak-ass explanation, but it does help as an explanation why seemingly nobody believes in fucking Jedi here. <laughs> Well, I mean, I'll be forced to accept that. <laughs> my my issue is that, obviously, we need to introduce characters. Obviously, we have to have some kind of brush with the Jedi. And, and it's fine if they... The, the way they choose to do that is through 100% fan service for just this season. Uh, I'd be much more curious to see... Like, I don't need to see lasting repercussions for this guest character from th- this other series. They can come and go. I-, I can recognize them and be like, oh, I think I know who this is in the Star Wars lore, though I've not watched those, uh, that TV show or whatever. 
my my concern, I haven't finished the episode, is that they're just they're there and they're gone, and that's all it was. Uh, and that's fine as an open shut case, as a little bit of fan service. That's fine. I don't know what I want out of the Jedi storyline in Mandalorian because the things I like are just the uh, madcap adventure episodes. Yeah, so. like I personally do like the Jedi and Sith stuff. I don't think it's portrayed. <laughs> this is where there's a caveat with it, though. I don't think it's portrayed particularly well in the movies. And it's like, well, then you don't like them then, right, Reed? And it's like, well, no, because, like, in video games and books and everything, like, they're very interesting. They have very interesting histories and ideologies and characterizations. It's just they're done so poorly well by the dude that actually made the series. He uh, didn't know what he had. <laughs> yeah. Like, if you read, like, the Darth Bane trilogy of books, like, excellent dive into the history of the Sith, their ideologies, and how they're new, uh, and how this character created, like, the rule of two and this new Sith ideology, and it's really interesting. The most you get out of the Sith in the movies are like, we're evil, something. That's, uh, (laughs) I think you're hitting the nail nail on the head here, is that um, the, 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 I don't think the Mandalorian is the place I want to come to for Jedi lore. Yeah, uh, yes, and I would agree with that. What makes Mandalorian fun, though, is that it's, like, it's, it's like, who gives a fuck adventures in Star Wars? It's, like, really, in the grand scheme of things, this Mandalorian guy running around with this alien doesn't fucking matter. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, watch any scene in Return of Skywalker or Rise of Skywalker, whatever that dumb piece of shit is I refuse. Called, <laughs> where there's just, like, 80 ships blowing up and fucking 28 million... Star Destroyers rising out of the ocean. And then just watch, like, a scene out of Mandalore, and he's just, like, like arguing with a guy at a bar. <laughs> it's just, like... Yeah, tying a guy up with a tow cable yeah, and setting him on the, fire. Or yeah. Shit. <laughs> the Jedi are... The Jedi and the Sith are made in such a way that they can't really be involved in such small stories without being the primary focus. Because the entire time, you're gonna be like, dude, this guy's a fucking Jedi. Like... Fuck, fuck everybody up, bro. Um, yeah, that's that's Kiyadi Mundi you're talking about right now. <laughs> yeah, hey. <laughs> what about the joint attack on the Wookiees? Um, What's wrong? So I guess what I'm trying to say is like, I don't mind that Jedi. Sh- <laughs> I don't mind that Jedi have showed up in Mand- in the Mandalorian, but at no point do I want the Jedi to be the primary sto- story focus, and for Mandal the Mandalorian to become Mad Max and Fury Road. Well, does this become the Mandalorian and a adolescent Yoda Jedi? Dude, we I, let's stop talking about it because we're okay. just going to speculate. <laughs> uh, there's a lot of fun episodes to be had uh, already in this season two. And I think for the most part, uh, it's scratching that Star Wars itch uh, that I didn't know I still had. Um, yep. that, I w- that I don't get from the movies or the games or anything currently. Um, are you watching pro wrestling? I am not at all. Uh, tonight. Tonight, Reed, winter is coming. Could you oh. imagine d- referencing Game of Thrones in, in 2020. December of 2020? And season one Game of Thrones. Like, this is before Game of Thrones <laughs> came out, Lee. <laughs> Sean Bean era yeah. Game of Thrones. Uh, we got we got Kenny Omega and John Moxley. They're giving it away tomorrow for the AEW Championship. Just, well, when's the next pay-per-view? Probably not for a long time. February. And technically, yeah. John Moxley and Kenny Omega have wrestled before. We've seen him do it, so... They've uh, they've wrestled before in a a garbage wrestling match, as Kenny Omega would put it. So this is the this is one v one, no disqualif. This is you will be disqualified if you try garbage. There's no weapons. There's no yeah, shenanigans. I, just, I haven't had any interest in wrestling at all lately. I I won't watch it tonight. I just know I won't. I'm gonna be playing Demon Souls or Tell Me Cry instead. So I'll continue to uh, to send my report of how our boys, the Butcher and Blade, have done. You would think losing. Uh, Phoenix and Pentagon Jr. back to Pac as the Death Triangle that w- that Butcher and Blade would be now easy pickings, but no, in fact, they managed to secure a W over uh, Hell over yeah. Pac and Phoenix last week. Hell so, yeah, yeah, nothing nothing will stop them. This is the momentum. They're going all the way to the top, baby. FTR who? Young Bucks who? Butcher and Blade, baby. Yeah. Uh, we got to really quickly talk about Pokemon Sun and Moon. We got to. We, I, I swear we, we kind of talked about it. If we haven't... I don't think this is going to be part of the, the major episode. This is just for the listeners. I, I swear we talked about this, but... 
Pokemon Sun and Moon, uh, I've referred to as the ultimate Pokemon games. They had most all the features that came before them as t in terms of competitive and all that kind of stuff. Ultra Sun and Moon is kind of it, in my opinion. Uh, would you agree? <laughs> yeah, as far as purely competitive. Yes, we talked about I remember this. We talked about this exact thing. Yeah, we, um, I swear we've talked about this. Uh, I, then I'll, let's talk about something new. I like the environments. I like the spice of having it be a Hawaiian Islands thing that's more based on, like, Okinawa. It has, like, Japanese influences. Uh, it kind of looks like that one season of Terrace House. I fucking love that. Uh, I like that they went with a theme through all of it. If you want to see the example of them doing the opposite, go look at Pokemon Sword and, and Shield, where we have to have so many different biomes. Uh, I like the cohesive <laughs> style of, of Ultra Sun and Moon, personally. Yeah, I, I I understand your points, because it is, like you said, a cohesive environment. The entire time it's the same thing. It's not like Kanto or Johto, where yeah, it's relatively plain-looking. Um, yeah, I that biome stuff started in like th third gen, yeah. where they like now it's a jungle, now it's a yeah. Yeah, I'm personally not a huge fan of the Hawaiian environment; just not my thing. I didn't like a lot of the Pokemon designs, um, and a lot of the characters. I like the uh, like Hop, the regional Pokemon edition. I thought was really cool. Yeah, that's that's fine. Uh, ah. <laughs> yeah, I don't really have a lot to complain about when it comes to the environments, as far as the overall structures, because they are islands, and thus they're island challenges and not gym leaders. I'm not a big fan of that. I like traditional battles. Uh, Sun and Moon's fucking weird, man. Yeah, I, I think that's why I like it. Because they, they actually went with something that was really against the grain. Into, like, the story's kind of like, it's nothing to write home about, but it's also not one of the worst ones. Uh, it has a structure to it. It has, like, they're trying to build up these islands and become part of, like, have a recognized Pokemon League and stuff like that. And you're, like, the first one to ever crush it. And then I also like the idea that you are the champion and that you could have all these. Yeah. Uh, we definitely talked about this. We We've definitely, definitely talked fucking about talked about that. this. <laughs> uh, and you could have, like, Gary Oak show up and, 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 and stuff like that. We've well, fucking talked. We have to have talked about yeah, this. Yeah, we did. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> At Tits Iceberg is us on Twitter. LeeTitsIceberg.com is our email address. If you have questions, topics, or you'd like us to recover any part of the Pokemon conversation, uh, we're open to suggestions. And we have one more week before we start talking about Cyberpunk. Uh, so next week will be another grab bag of, of pop culture at the end, I'm sure. Reed, thank you for joining me. You're welcome. And <laughs> thank you all for signing on. Signing on? Signing up? That's the Public Beta Podcast.